if you're watching live, then I want you to think about this. If you're if you're listening to the audio, then I want you to do this math problem while I do the intro, and then just think about the answer. 18 multiplied by 52. 18 multiplied by 52. Do the, do them do that math while I enjoy the show. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I'm a foster dad, a biological father of three boys. John is a stepdad. He's expecting his first in May. He is also going to be a newlywed soon here. And then Ryan has four kids, and he just shared some information where he um, we're going to talk about it, how the relationship with your father plays into where he didn't meet his dad until he was 22, his biological father until he was 22. So an adult relationship with your biological parents is interesting step as well. I am, of course, the host, Jeremy Jackson. This is AT Dads 2, AT Dads 2, because last week we talked with Larry Cooper, Joel Lukey, and Ed, I can't ever say his last name, out in Vermont. <laughs> And so we're talking about athletic training dads because it's important that we succeed at home and that we succeed at work. But if we fail at work, we can find a new job. If we fail at home, it's really, really not good. So doing that math, 18 times 52, that's 940 roughly considering leap years and things like that. That's 940. So that's 940 Saturdays from the time your kid is born until the time that they leave your house and go to college at the age of 18, more or less. So think about that. 940 is all of the weekends that you have to spend and invest in your kids. Right? It's not 18 long years. It's 940 short weekends. Where are you going to choose to spend them? Consider that as we discuss all of this here with AT dads. All right, Ryan, we talked about you have four kids and you also didn't meet your biological father till you were 22. So tell us a little bit about your, your kids and then we'll get to John. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, really appreciate being, uh, being on here, Jimmy. Uh, everybody who knows me knows that I love talking about my kids, love talking about my relationship with my kids and my family. And, uh, you know, I've been blessed to have four children. Never thought I would have four children. We thought we were just going to have two, um, possibly even one. And my wife found out that we were 15 weeks pregnant with my daughter um, at 15 weeks. <laughs> we're like, oh, we might as well keep going. You know, we'll see how, how it goes. But um you know, we've got three boys and uh, one girl. They're all under the age of 10. So 10 just turned nine, six, and just about to turn five next Monday. So uh, a good range of personalities and um, life phases there. And uh, it's absolutely a blessing every day to, to, to be a father and to, you know, see the joy in their life and to help them through their, their problems. So um, it's definitely a, a great great opportunity for me in my life. And it's something I'm, I'm thankful for every day. All right. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your parental history or your, mm -hmm. your life as a son real quick. Give us just a brief intro there. Yeah. So um, kind of a unique backstory uh, growing up. Um, I, you know, my father role models were my stepdad and my grandfather, um, both very, very important in my upbringing, both, um, very valuable in my life. Um, but it was still different from just having, you know, my father around. 
And when I was 22, I sought out to reconnect with my father, my biological father, and we met for the first time. And since then, we've had a, a growing, constantly growing relationship. Um, and it, it's really cool because um, he actually had two daughters uh, through another marriage. So I got to uh, find out that I had two other sisters. Um, unfortunately, one passed away uh, you know, tragically last year, but my other sister um, through him as well is still alive and we've re we've connected and you know he's a great uh, grandfather to my grand to my kids now and you know his wife is wonderful so it's just really cool that we have that dynamic now um, that even though we didn't get to take advantage of it when I was a kid I took ownership of wanting to make that a priority and it has now become a priority and now my kids get to you know interrupt they get to interact with the uh, with grandpa and, uh, and G cause you know, she doesn't like to be called grandmother. You know, it makes her feel old. <laughs> so she's G, um, you know, so it's really cool to have that dynamic as well too. And, uh, while still appreciating and valuing everything that I got out of my relationship with my stepfather and my grandfather growing up, it's just awesome to have, have him in my life as well too. It is extremely important in understanding the history so that we can be successful. All right, John Seiko. You got a baby on the way. Tell me a little bit more about your Thank you. family. Yeah, we're, you know, Ryan, that's an interesting dynamic that you you speak of, and and growing up, I always envisioned the uh, the traditional family dynamic within my life, and um, you know, quickly kind of realized that that's not necessary. Um, wasn't something that's um, you know, may not ever occur to me or happen with me. Um, but, you know, I am in a place where I am lucky enough to have somebody in my life that um, is going to be, is providing me a family. And, uh, you know, we, we both come from big families. Um, you know, Jenny, my fiance, um, her, she has a larger family, uh, three, two sisters, one brother. Um, they grew up on a farm, middle of Michigan. Um, I grew up essentially as a only child. Um, I do have a brother. Uh, he's a, he's an adopted brother. Uh, he is 12 years older than I am. And then I have a half sister, uh, who is, uh, quick math, I think 16 years older than I am for my dad's first marriage. Um, I grew up with, uh, my parents are, are together. Um, you know, so I grew up kind of that traditional idea of, of a family, uh, almost ignoring the fact that I had a stepsister and an adopted brother, because by the time I was uh, five, my brother had moved out um, and he was kind of off on his own. And um, for a little bit, he, he wasn't really a part of the family. So, you know, we, we just kind of went about our lives as a, as an only child. And uh, you know, luckily my brother came back into the fold. He's, he's been a big part of my life. Um, you know, he's, he's somebody that's, uh, as different as we are, we're very similar, um, you know, and, and he's somebody that I look up to when it comes to being a good brother. Um, you know, we, we try to compliment each other. Um, my sister lives out in Pennsylvania, so our contact isn't as great as, uh, as it probably could be. Um, but you know, we, we try, um, but most importantly is the relationship with my parents, um, is, is incredibly important for this, this next step in our lives together. Um, you know, having a great relationship with my mom and dad, uh, seeing how they went about their lives, 
while raising me uh, has set, I think, a really good example, I hope, um, for how Jenny and I are going to raise our family. Uh, and, you know, being as non-traditional as it is, uh, you know, we, we are taking the lessons that we've both learned through our childhood um, and trying to apply them. And it is a work in progress. And, and it's something that we work at every single day, uh, every single night, because as we, you know, before we got on, uh, we were discussing, uh, you know, our four-year-old decided to, to wake up at 2, 2.45 in the morning. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just navigating those things. And um, I'm really lucky because, you know, as long as I've, I've known Jenny, um, you know, since, actually before uh, her son was born um, and, and we didn't start dating until recently. So it, it's interesting that I've known him his whole life, um, but now we're, we're cultivating this relationship where, um, you know, I'm, I'm becoming a stepfather and, and he's recognizing me as his stepdad. He refers to me as his stepdad. Now um, the steps up to that point where, you know, it was, uh, you know, I don't know who, who he recognized me as, um, but, the next step was that's my John. So he would introduce me as his John uh, to, to people. And, uh, and then the next step was once we, he, he started realizing what a stepfather is and the types of families, um, you know, he, he kind of put those things together and he, he recognizes me as his stepfather, um, which probably to a four-year-old, it's just putting words together. But, you know, for, for me, it was, um, you know, it was, it, it was never important that he said those words, uh, it was never like he needs to call me this, that the titles need to be there. It was never that. Um, but for him to, on his own, recognize it and then to put those things together um, just shows the relationship that him and I are building um, as as we build our family. So it's been a fun on-the-job training uh, for, for me and, and our family. And, uh, you know, when we look at these these shows when and the men that are around me, uh, as athletic trainers like you two guys, Larry, uh, other athletic trainers that uh, I work with in the state of Michigan, uh, our current president, Mark Stonerock, um, you know, we had a conversation before I took the, um, before he asked me to step into the president-elect role uh, a few months ago. And, you know, that was probably, I think maybe he may have been the first person that I told that we were pregnant um, because you know, I had major concerns of, of stepping into a, a leadership role at the state level. Um, but it just felt right because I knew I was having a child, you know, we, we were, we had just found out and, uh, and Mark had just walked his uh, daughter down the aisle. So it was like one of those things that I needed that, um, that experience. I needed that, um, you know, mentorship, because it's not just athletic training, it's, it's family raising in a unique environment. None of our son are nine to five, very few athletic trainers are nine to five. And uh, how do we navigate that? And, and I've been able to do it very, very successfully on my own for the last 15 years. And now I have a family and how do I change gears? And, and I'm having very, very difficult and important conversations with my work. Um, because if I want to be a valued member of our community. They need to value my life and my relationship with my family and my son and my, my daughter who will be here in May. All right. So talking about Mark walking his daughter down the aisle, that's obviously an, an end goal for parenthood, you know, walking your kid down the aisle, 
but it's not necessarily an end goal. It's a, it's another step because, you know, Larry talked about his daughter, like he spends a lot of time with his grandkids because his, he has a good relationship with his daughter. Um, and so let's take a look or let's kind of, I guess, dream big. What does the, the end goal for you as, as a parent look like? And Ryan, what are your thoughts there? What are, what are your end goals? And then we'll work backwards from there. What's interesting, and maybe my my perspective is just unique on this. Um, when I saw the uh, that that question, you know, I was thinking, I, I'm not really, in all honesty, I'm not a goal setter. I set priorities, and I hope that the priorities that I set lead to the outcomes that are good. Because I've I've come to realize in my life that are so much beyond our control and you can't stress over things that are not in your control. All you can do is try and own what you can own and influence indirectly what you hope to influence. And so I do have goals in my life. I do have things I would love to see down the road, but it's, it's interesting that I just, my perspective is more so what are my priorities right now? And maybe it's just thinking the other, uh, you know, flipping it on its head a little bit. Um, so I had to really think hard about you know, this is 20 year question because I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm a go with the flow kind of guy. I recognize that at any point there could be a curveball. And, you know, right now my wife is telling me she wants to be retired when the kids are off the school and move to Cape Cod. But, you know, who knows next year, she might say, I want to stay in New Jersey, you know? So um, I try, I try to have those visions, but I also try not to lock myself into like all or nothing on those goals. So kind of, keeping that perspective as I'm talking about this, you know, what's important to me right now is that I am setting our family up for good things down the road. We just bought our first house finally uh, in 2020. I never thought I was going to buy a house in 2020. And we bought a house, which is now nice because now we have a nest egg for when the kids are older. Um, You know, it's going to help us financially down the road as well too. We're in a more stable position versus a renting position. Um, And, that's to try and set an example to our kids of, you know, 20 years from now when you're adults and, you know, 20 years from now, all of my kids will be adults. Uh, when you're an adult, you have to make these decisions. And I'm trying to keep them involved in some of the big decisions that we have to make, especially my older two, just for them to know these are the decisions you have to make as an adult. You know, this is what it's like to buy a house. When you buy a house, these are all the things you got to take care of now that you didn't have to when you rent. Um, so, really thinking about when I look at 20 years down the road, I'm trying to plant those seeds right now so that 20 years down the road, my kids are functioning, contributing members of society, whether they choose to go to college or not, who knows what college is going to be in 20 years from now. It might all be technical schools. It might, who knows? Um, But I want them to be pursuing their passion. I want them to know that they can do whatever they want to do. You know, if one of my kids wants to be president, they can be president. If one of my kids wants to be a YouTuber, they can be a YouTuber, you know? So like, and trust me, they all want to be YouTubers nowadays. So, um, you know, for me, it's, I want them 20 years from now. I want my kids to just know, hopefully my wife and I are still happy and, and healthy and like everything is going, going good so that, you know, when they're out of the house, my wife and I, wherever we decide to, to settle up, whether it's staying in New Jersey or moving you know, to somewhere else for a retirement home, you know, I would hope that always it's going to be a place where the kids can come back anytime they want. And, um, you know, when they come home from college, they've always got a place to, to stay. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is I, it's really important for me that no matter how old I become, hopefully I'm blessed to live a long life. And my wife, um, 
that the kids always know no matter what happens, they're always welcome back. They're always welcome to come back. They're always loved. Um, they're always going to be supported. We may not always agree with everything they choose as an adult because they're adults are going to make other decisions. Um, but that doesn't change the love that we have for them. And that doesn't change the support that we want to give them. Um, and, and John, you pointed, you know, uh, about, you made a point about the, the importance of it's a learning process. Well, breaking news, brother, that learning process doesn't stop <laughs> until forever. So, you know, I plan on always trying to still be the best dad I can be even 20 years from now, 30 years from now. But of course, hopefully at that point, you know what, who knows, maybe that's starting to start the process of being the best granddad, you know, the best grandfather. So for me, that's really what I'm thinking about 20 years from now is 20 years from now, all four of my kids doing things they love, feeling loved, feeling supported, feeling uh, empowered, and hopefully learning the lessons that they've learned over the course of our career through my mistakes, through my wife's mistakes, through our family's mistakes that we learn from. Priorities over goals. And, you know, when, when that question was posed to me, it was, you know, I've always been a goal setter. I'm, I'm a goal setter. I, I, I wake up every day and I, I think what my goals are for the day and the week. How am I reaching them? How am I getting there for the month and the year? And, you know, I've, like I said earlier, I've done this very, very successfully on my own because it was easy. It's easy to set goals for yourself, but now I'm setting goals and priorities for four of us. And, um, you know, my career was always, you know, what, what is my career look like today and next week or next year? It was never, what's it going to look like in 20 years? What's it going to look like uh, at the end of it? I just figured I would save that for the end of it. You know, I'll, I'll get there when I get there. And, and now it's a much different conversation. You know, I, I'm quickly finding out that I'm not an expert in anything. I, I don't know everything. Um, and it's humbling. And it's, at the same time, it's uh, being humbling. It's it's uplifting because it's like, like you said, it's a learning process and I never get to stop learning. And, um, you know, I have to take gratitude in, in that thought too, is I am going to learn something new today and tomorrow. I, uh, you know, I'm learning something new today. I'm able to function on, you know, two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep. And I know that's going to be happening very, very soon. And in about 20 weeks, I'll be lucky to have two to three hours of sleep a night. You know, I I know I'm going to be lucky and blessed to have that. Um, So it's a fun thing. It's, you know, initially it's, it's tough to realize it. You know, you kind of want to balk at those things, but um, you know, I try to have gratitude and, and, those things. And, and I'm happy that I have that. Um, you know, I've, I've always had a good understanding of sacrifice and, you know, I look back at, you know, going to college and, and what my parents did for me to, to get through college and to, to make it into college. And, you know, um, we financially, we were very stable, um, the beginning parts of my college and, um, I went to a private school, so it's not an easy place to, to just kind of pay, um, you know, pay, pay your financials there. Um, you know, I have a new understanding of, of sacrifice too. Uh, what does it mean to, to leave work early now? You know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier when you have a, a different reason than I just want to go home or, you know, you, you find yourself not sticking around for certain things that you did in the past. Um, but it's, it's learning and continuously learning, uh, and, and having a better understanding of sacrifice and why you're doing it. 
You know, I'm not doing it just to shave time off my commute or uh, to get home early to watch a, a TV show because God knows when's the last time I really got a chance to watch TV. Um, you know, and that's okay. I love that. It's It's been a really good um, experience, great experience. And I, I, part of it is the person I'm with. You know, I, and this is where it's great that I have Jeremy as a mentor and a friend is I look up to him as uh, somebody who has a fantastic marriage and a great relationship and, and a beautiful wife. And, you know, it, we, we look at that as a couple and we're like, Hey, that's people can do it. And, and we can do it too. No matter what hard days, hard nights, hard weeks we're going to have ahead of us. Um, we have great mentors that we can look up to. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm so happy that we have this network of athletic trainers and, and fathers that we can have conversations and, uh, bounce ideas off of and, and joke and laugh about things. Um, because I don't know if I've, I would have had that, you know, I'm, I'm late to the game a little bit. You know, some of my friends are having, have kids that are entering middle school and, um, you know, other ones that are, are much older. And now here I am with my, my firstborn and uh, a stepson who's four years old. And, and, uh, as much as I've learned about life, it's all changed because I'm looking at it through a different lens now. So for me, the end goal would be just like Ryan said, I want my kids to always feel welcome to come back. I want them to, to have that relationship with me that, you know, my, my sister-in-law's husband. So I just say my brother-in-law, Micah has a really good relationship with his dad. He was, his dad was his best man in his wedding. Right. And, and that's the kind of relationship I would like to foster and create in my sons I don't want to have to be their best man I don't want them to have to depend on me but I want them to want to have that relationship and so now even just this weekend you know um, I, I look at my sons and you know one of my sons is being short or rude or the way they're talking to the others and then I'm thinking why are you talking like that but then I stop and I think they talk like that because that's what they see they see that because that's the way that I sometimes talk to them. And so it's it's a constant like battle inside. How do I create that long-term goal? Is this little argument, is this little thing really that big of a deal that it's going to hurt that relationship in the future? Yes, I want them to be productive members of society, contributing members of society, but I want them to be long-term close relationship so Sarah's family pretty much every Sunday will rotate will either be at her parents house or our house or her brother's house or her sister's house for lunch after church and every week we're interacting hanging out our kids are playing together whereas with my biological family they it may have been like four years since I've seen some of my siblings or something like that. You know, my sister lives across the country and has five kids, so it's really difficult for her to get down here. But it's not quite the same. It's it's just not the same. You have that closeness, that intimacy to regularly interact, you know, and and that is what my end goal is. And then obviously, you know, being in 20 plus years, you know, retired, hanging out with Sarah, traveling. But again, in that same thing, I want to be able to take Hey Jonah, send your kids with us for two weeks during the summer. Let's go. We're, we're going to take them to Grand Canyon, or we're going to go whatever you know, driving around the country, that kind of thing. 
And I want to be able to do that, but I, it has to start, it has to be now. I have to build that trust and that relationship and that desire for them to know me and for their kids to know me as well. So that's what it looks like in the end for me. And it is a constant learning battle. And, you know, I get to have conversations with Ryan or with John and things like that with so many other parents. And obviously with foster care, we get, we are required to do trainings and updates. And then those things require me to either ignore or to grow and get better. And so that that's kind of where, where I am as, as far as the long term. So John, Jeremy, Ryan, you, brought, go ahead. you brought up a great point. You mentioned about your relationship with Sarah's family and that's something too, I think is crucial for, for John as you um, move forward um, into your relationship, even at a deeper level with your wife and, and her family. Um, so Jamie and my wife's um, father and mother are both alive and they live close. That's actually why we moved to New Jersey is, you know, we wanted to be close to her family. I felt that it was important for my wife to be close to her family. Um, you know, her, her brother and her sister and her mom and dad and, and extended family. And so we made that choice. And thankfully, you know, I've got a great relationship with my mother and father-in-law. Not everybody can say that, you know, there's the, the joke of, you know, the mother and father-in-law or the beast and whatnot, but like, that's not the case in our family. And, and we're thankful for so much that they've helped us attain um, just through their support. And, you know, like you said, Jeremy, you're not as much now because of COVID, but, you know, we'll hopefully get back to it after COVID, but like every Sunday dinner with pop and grandma, you know, and they'd come over to our house or we would go to their house or, you know, we just go do something. And, um, you know, they, they're, they're getting up there in age. So we're trying to make the most of that time. Um, so that's definitely a, an advice for everyone out there is, you know, it could be easy to, see some challenges in like in-laws, <laughs> but it's important to make it a relationship that's a priority because your kids see that and they appreciate that. And if your relationship with your in-laws is strained, your kid's relationship with your in-laws will be strained. You know, their other set of grandparents, their other set of aunts and uncles and cousins that they don't necessarily then get to enjoy because of, you know, something that you hold a grudge or, you know, you two can't get along. So just for everyone out there, you know, make that relationship a priority. Um, and like every other relationship, they're never going to be perfect, but you make it a priority and your kids will see that it ultimately benefits your kids and your whole family. We, uh, another unique part of our situation is, is Jenny's family all lives in Canada and with the borders being closed, it's been, it's been difficult and it's been difficult for both of us because, um, you know, I haven't been able to really cultivate that relationship. It has been a priority and, and we communicate and we talk as much as we can. And, you know, FaceTime is a nightly thing, which has been great. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's been difficult for us because we haven't been able to go across and it's a three hour drive from where we're at here in Detroit over, you know, to North of Toronto. And, um, you know, there was a point where I think about a month or two ago, we were like, we're going, we're, we're going to go and, and we're going to go and, and visit. And, um, you know, we, we were, we were looking through the laws and we were looking through the, the loopholes and, um, and it ended up being almost too much of a hassle to, to go. And, um, you know, the, the way the Canadian government and the way the Canadian, um, people look at the virus and how it's being 
handled over there is much different than how it's being handled here in, in America and Michigan. So um, they are much more stringent on who visits who. Uh, we quickly found out that um, her family isn't really seeing each other, even though they live, you know, within 30 minutes of each other, um, you know, one of the furthest one out's about an hour. Um, you know, they're still not able to, to be around each other, be within each, be with each other. Um, you know, so that's been hard for us to, to cultivate that relationship, but it is a priority of ours. Um, it is something that we work on. You know, it is fun that we're able to have the ability to FaceTime and to talk. And um, last night we were, I was, I was talking with Jenny's mom and um, she wants to do a book club because she knows I, I like reading our styles of books are incredibly different. So we're trying to find the middle ground of, uh, of what we want to read. And, um, you know, anybody that's ever listened to the podcast before knows the books I like to read. Um, and Jenny's mom loves, um, like Victorian English fiction. Um, yes. and, <laughs> and I, I with don't Fabio know, on the cover. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, she suggested a book last night and Jenny just, I, I saw the text. Um, I didn't see the text, but Jenny, I just saw Jenny get a text and her laugh, like we're laying in bed and she's like, I don't know what my mom's thinking. She's like, and Jenny makes fun of me too. She's like, John likes to read books that makes people sad. And I'm like, <laughs> that's fair, but you know, I, I get something out of them. And, um, but it's, it's fun that we're able to do that. You know, like it's, it's a priority of ours that we're able to, um, you know, look in, in creating a book club for us to, to read and, and to start something and, um, you know, her sister-in-law. So it's fun that we're able to do that and, and joke about things like that. So, um, you know, we've missed out on a lot this year, but we know that it's only going to be a short time compared to, the rest of our lives. Um, and, and, you know, the, the number 940, uh, Jeremy, that you started the podcast with, you know, it's something that I've thought about recently when it comes to my parents and, and how many days do I have left with my parents and how important that time is. And now that we have a baby on the way, how important that time, you know, is going to be because that's, it's going to be less time once she's here. Um, and, and it's, it is a priority for all of us that we, take the days that we have together and left and ensure that they are uh, good days and, and ensure that we work on making them as good days as possible. We're never going to have perfect days. We're going to have days that we struggle together. Um, you know, and, and we've, we've come together at the end of those days and we've said, um, you know, our priority is to make the next day better and to love each other more tomorrow than we did today. And, um, you know, I'll say it again, I'm lucky to have a partner that, um, that finds importance in, in cultivating that type of relationship with myself, my family, uh, and our family and making things better for tomorrow than, than we had them today. John, I, I should know this. I should have asked you this before, but CC is that, is that, is that her name or is that the nickname you're keeping until you, that's her nickname we're keeping until she's born. Gotcha. Um, okay. A handful of people know the, the, the name, um, but that's that's her nickname until she's born. So I say CC Seiko. That'd be, that'd be a, a handful there. But hey, she's going to be a pop star. For, for cute and cuddly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, John, this, is, this isn't what we kind of had in the show notes, but tell me one thing about your parents that you want to copy. 
uh, it's ingrained in me. It's the hard work and determination. Um, you know, my parents are, my dad's an immigrant. My mom's a first generation immigrant. Um, you know, so there's the, the, I, I grew up in Detroit and, and anybody that knows anything about Detroit is, um, is the hard work, the grit that goes into being a factory worker. Everybody, you know, in the sixties and seventies, um, you know, in Detroit, a large majority of how people made their living and how Detroit was made was through factory work. My parents are a, a Detroit love story. As I like to tell people, they met each other in a factory. Uh, they, they developed a relationship. They hated each other at first because my mom thought my dad was somebody he wasn't, uh, which is very similar to Jenny, how Jenny first, you know, when we first met each other, she hated me. Um, if I could pull her down from class right now, she'd probably you know, uh, go off for the rest of the podcast about how much <laughs> she hated me in the beginning um, and, and how much it's changed, uh, luckily. <laughs> um, but my parents were the same way, you know, my mom hated my dad and then they developed a relationship and then they got to know each other. Uh, and they've been together for over 35 plus years. Um, but the amount of hard work that went into their day-to-day life to not only survive, but to create a family life, um, you know, it, it could have been easy for them to just live in Detroit and, and work in factories their whole life and, and be the nine to five or the second shift. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they knew they wanted something better for their son. They knew that what it took for their parents to, de- to, to create something for them. You know, my mom's parents came over from Mexico. They were field workers. They worked the 16 hour days. They lived in camps they were sent back to Mexico. My grandfather, uh, in the time before internet, in the time before phones, probably, he had to go find my grandmother back in Mexico with nothing but probably a picture. You know, it's easy to find our families now where we just look on our phones and, and look at the last location they were at or whatever. But uh, my grandfather had to go find uh, my grandmother. And then they, they made their way all the way from Mexico, all the way up to Michigan. Uh, and, and they developed a life there. My mom saw that and knew that the, the hard work that they put into their lives, she had to do more. And that's something that I take with me. I know whatever I've built in my life, the, the, you know, the responsibilities that I have for my family are greater. And I know that if I want a good life for my kids, no matter what it is, Ryan, like you said, what, you know, if they go to college or if they go to trade school, become YouTubers, it's on us. It's on me. It's on us as fathers to, to cultivate that environment for them. Uh, and I'm so blessed that, you know, I have parents that did that. You know, we've talked about my father. Uh, my father is a Holocaust survivor. So that's a hell of a thing to survive and to, to generate a family out of um, and, and to be a factory worker, to, to be a veteran. Um, to, to do all of those things, to be able to provide for his family, for what he wanted a better life for. Um, I carry that. I carry that on a daily basis of what I want for my family going forward. And I know they're going to have a lot easier chance than I did, but I still want them to have that basis and understanding of what hard work is. Uh, because if they're left with nothing, hard work, in my opinion, is what's going to get them to the next step. Ryan, something you want to copy in just a second. So, so John, definitely the, the hard work is something that 
I want my kids. I've talked before about how my oldest son, Jonah, when he was six, I think, um, bought his own bicycle. So he'd been working, saved up, like doing his chore money, you know, saved up and went to the store and said, hey, I'd like to buy this bike. It's this much, but I only have this much. Can you can you cut me a deal? Because I'd been, you know, doing the Dave Ramsey stuff. And so sure enough, at Academy, the, you know, local sporting goods store, they said, all right, we got you. And and so he's learning that hard work. You know, they have to do chores, earn the money. And no, they're not having to work on farms or concentration camps and things like that. But they're they're learning the, the work hard. And again, it's a daily habit and they see me work hard and those kind of things. And, and I know you work hard as well, but just like most of the things here, it's going to be what we, what we show rather than what we speak. So Ryan, what are you going to take away from, what is the one thing you're going to copy from your parents? Well, for me, again, just because of the unique situation of my upbringing, you know, I'm always one to like, look at, you know, the, the collective whole of my family, what can I learn from my family? But then there's also what are the strengths of each individual member of my family that I can emulate and whatnot, you know, because there was a, a wide range of personalities uh, in my family, as well as in people that were influential for me growing up that weren't in my family, you know, so uh, you're taking just, uh, you know, for example, my, my grandfather is someone who, uh, just has been like a self-starter his whole life and, you know, worked in, in the financial field for a long time, was successful, then decided, you know what, I want to retire and do something else. So I'm going to start a photo booth that I'm going to travel to carnivals and make people happy, take their pictures, put it on mugs, put it on t-shirts. <laughs> and like, you know, he, like he just made that switch later in life because he wanted something that would give him freedom. And he also, he was started, buying homes to rent them out and be a landlord and you know um just like crazy little things about his life are just so inspiring to me he was supposed to be the torchbearer uh to run for the i think it was the 1980 or 84 olympics the ones that were in los angeles uh my my grandfather never started running until he was in his 40s ended up running i think seven or eight boston marathons um but like he was going to represent his company at transamerica uh, to carry the torch until the very last minute when something happened and it was taken away from him, but he still has like the Olympic tracksuit and he still talks about it, you know, like, you know, it, it is what it is. Like he had the opportunity, but it was taken away. It was out of his control. Um, you know, just little things like that. Like, so that's one example of my grandfather inspires me to, you know, always just work hard and know I can take ownership of my life. And he's, you know, everybody's best friend and he, you know, just connects well with people. And, you know, my, my mom and my grandma, they're very caring people, um, lots of love and, and, you know, they, they give back to the family in that way. Um, you know, just that, that balances the work side of it. You know, um, you know, my, my stepfather was always a hard worker to, to raise money for our family and support us. And, um, you know, my own dad as well, like he went back to school when he was an adult to get a degree to go back to school to better himself and now he has a very successful job uh with fedex and like it's just really cool to see that you can at any point in your life you can change path at any point in your life you can go one direction or the other it's your personal choices and i think that's the biggest thing that i've taken away from my family is my own ownership and accountability of my life and i can control it and go any direction i want with the right choices and priorities at any point um, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway I, I get from, from the collective whole 
of my family. So for me, my parents are divorced. They, it was probably when I was in college, they got divorced. And that's obviously one thing that I will not repeat. Like I, I'll die first. Okay. You know, and you hear some of these, um, people talk about, well, divorce is never an option, but murder, suicide, maybe that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> but that's not, that's not the situation. I'm just, you know, it's just kind of a, a little joke. Um, so that is one of the things that I will definitely leave behind for my parents. But my mom is an active, involved part of my kid's life. My kids know and they look forward to seeing her every week. Um, my dad is open and loving. He's not as often as in contact with my kids, uh, but they know him. They have good, positive experiences. I've always felt that he was welcome, welcoming and opening and, you know, kind of bringing people in or in- including people <clears throat> So those are those are definitely some of the things that I want to include, and it is it's actually caused some issues. Whereas I like I want to bring people in or say, hey, we're going to do this. Why don't you come? And Sarah's like, well, why don't we just make this ours? You know, like let's just keep it just us. And so it's kind of a balancing act. Is <clears throat> this is what I've seen? This is what I know. This is what I want. And this is what she sees, knows, and wants. And then I kind of have to balance like where do I want to be closer to in the end? <clears throat> because looking at the situation, Sarah's parents are close. Their family is close. We still are close. You know, they know a lot about each other. It's a lot easier to have a everyday conversation rather than, oh, hey, let's catch up from the last six weeks type conversation. In um, taking a look at those, you know, just knowing where do I want to be closer to and which way do I need to move towards do I need to move her towards me or me towards her um so we've kind of talked about the the long run in the end what do we want it to look like but we have to know how to get there step by step so we talked about 20 years so 10 years from now I well if we adopt MJ then she would at that point be 11 I would have my youngest biological would be um just about out of high school my older two would be in college possibly possibly out of college uh, for the oldest one, depending on, you know, the the path and things like that. And so that's where I'm looking at in 10 years. But again, the relationship, you know, with 10 years left, that's less than half of the 940 weekends that we have um, with him still remaining in the house. So it really has to be impactful. Last week with Larry, I talked about how I took my oldest son with me to present at a conference for the Louisiana Athletic Trainers Association. He was up there on stage with me. So making those meaningful, impactful memories, but also this past weekend, we go and we walk the trail or, you know, we'll play video games together or, you know, set off smoke bombs or, you know, allow him to shoot the nail gun when we're building stuff and those type things. So it's about being there and listening and about me modeling the behavior that I, I want him to to demonstrate or display, but then understanding he's 10. I don't get it right all the time. He's not going to get it right, you know, nearly as often. So in about 10 years, that's more or less what my life should look like. Um, At that point, I'll be 40 this year, so I'll be 50 in 10 years. And then hopefully we're pretty solid financially, getting closer towards retirement. And again, if we get to keep MJ and adopt her, then... She would be close to 10 or 11. So we still got a few more years before all of them are out of the house and married and whatnot. So 
Sure, a little bit shorter term. What is ten year? What do you think ten years looks like for you, John? Yeah, it's it's interesting because when you start looking at those things and the the time and how much um, how important that time is and how fast it'll go. Um, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it, uh, how fast those things go and how fast time, time flies. Um, <clears throat> but <clears throat> last night, David and I were, were driving up to, to school. He, I uh, took him up there for, we just went up for about an hour and, um, you know, he talked about, uh, a year ago, uh, two Christmases ago now, um, you know, the drive out to, to Canada. And it was like, I thought that was yesterday. And, and it was over a year ago. And, um, you know, by that time he'll be entering high school. Um, and, you know, CC will be 10 years old. Um, you know, we want to be in a, a situation or a, a position in our lives, which we fully believe and trust that we will be in. Um, you know, David got to watch, uh, basketball practice yesterday uh, and in 10 years, he'll be potentially trying out for the basketball team. And, uh, you know, you start thinking about what does my role in this, you know, mean, Do, you know, we're going to prepare him for whatever he wants to be. If he's trying out for basketball or band or, uh, or dance or, or whatever he wants to do, you know, what is our role in at that point? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we, we've always said, especially over the last couple of months, because he's going to be enrolling into kindergarten here soon. Um, where do we want him to go to school and where do, where do we want him to be, uh, you know, at that point? And I'm, I'm lucky enough that I work in probably one of the best schools in Michigan, um, if not the top three schools in the state of Michigan. Uh, and, and that's part of the hard work that I put into my career. I knew that if I ever have a family, I want them to have the best educational opportunities. Uh, and, and the importance of a good high school and middle school experience. Um, you know, that'll be something for me to navigate in 10 years if he is going to the same school that I am working at. Uh, and, and how do I draw the lines and draw the boundaries of being his father and uh, his athletic trainer? Uh, or if I'm in another role, you know, where, where, are my, where do my roles end and begin? Uh, because I don't want to to be in a position where um, we're able to take advantage of whatever my position is, but I want him to learn through lessons. Uh, and, and I want, I need to be able to be hands off and I need to be, um, I want him and I want CC to fail uh, in order to learn, but I don't want them to fall. Uh, and I think that's a goal of, of every parent, right? We, we want them to fail just enough that they learn uh, but not enough where they fall and, and are falling behind. Um, and, and that that is a very interesting dynamic that is in my head constantly. Are we doing enough or are we not doing enough? Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that each one of us has that same thought day in, day out. Are we teaching them or are we leading them or are we coddling them? Um, you know, there there's great books out there and they're all, they all have great ideas and, and great thoughts. But once you able to, once you put them into practice, you find out that those simple words are very difficult to follow. Ryan, 10 years. Well, 10 years, uh, my youngest will be a teenager. So at that point we'll have gone through the teenage 
wagon train uh, four times. And, um, you know, that teenage years are rocky. That's for sure. Uh, as, as a kid, as a parent, and, you know, we have four different personalities of kids with four different types of interests. So, you know, it's my hope that 10 years from now, you know, my oldest two will be, you know, off to school or education of some sort, um, you know, likely, but uh, my youngest two will be in middle school and high school. And, you know, again, I just hope that they are able to feel safe, able to, um, you know, learn through those years to, to become their own person. And, you know, I think it's so crucial for parents to be involved with their children's lives in the teens, you know, as a role model, you know, like John said, allowing them to fail, but not fall. Um, but always just knowing, Hey, if you make a mistake, if you do something wrong, you need to come talk to me about it. We can learn from it. Um, you know, no, no stuff behind closed doors. Like let's just have an open conversation because we want, we want to make sure that those teenage years, those can go two different ways for a lot of people. You know, the experiences that you have then build on what you're going to do as an adult and where your life goes. So, you know, for me in 10 years, again, I love my job. My hope is that 10 years from now, I'm still in the same, you know, job, the same company, maybe you elevated, but like the same company, uh, you know, my hope is the, the catalyzing athletic trainers, uh, side side project is, is building some momentum, you know, so that when I am ready to retire, that can kind of be kind of a, a fun little, um, end game for me. But, um, you know, when it comes to my kids and my family, I just hope that we're at that next level then where, you know, my, my youngest two, or who knows what sport they'll be playing or what activities they'll be doing and traveling around, making sure they can take advantage of opportunities that maybe I didn't have when I was a kid or that they choose to want to take advantage of and supporting them in any way I can. So, um, who knows what 10 years is going to bring, but just like you, Jeremy, I'm going to beat you to 50 by a few months. <laughs> so I'm going to be 50 in 10 years from now, which is scary to think about, but, um, you know, I hope that, uh, the teenage years for my kids are memorable in a positive way. I hope they have, uh, great memories coming from them. And, you know, I hope, uh, we really make that, uh, the best decade ever. That's, that's the hope, you know, this, this decade's better than the last, the next one's better than the next. So, um, you know, I hope that uh, the next 10 years is going to be great. Just recently, my one of my sons broke a window at my grandparents' house, or at his grandparents' house. And the first thing he did was come in and say, Dad, um, can you come here? And so, like, I could see his face, like something not good happened. And he was doing something he shouldn't have done and broke the window says okay well we need to you know we need to go tell him and we need to be honest tell him what happened and uh, ask what you can do to fix it and so then the you know his grandpa so my father-in-law said oh look I forgive you it's not a big deal let's just make sure that everything's safe so we put tape on the window vacuumed it up but the fostering that of that relationship to where a you know six to 10 year old boy will come and say, Hey, I messed up instead of trying to hide it or like lie or blame somebody. It's just, okay. That comes, I would say mostly because of the relationship that my wife has built and I've had to learn, you know, like, well, don't overreact, just be calm. Give them that opportunity to, um, to share with you the bad stuff. Cause if you overreact, you know, if you're really harsh, which I have a tendency to be, then 
they're less likely to share the good or the bad. And so because of that relationship that we've built, he was able to say, I messed up. What do we need to do to fix it? And it wasn't just like, hey, I'm, I'm worried about getting in trouble. It's I'm worried about fixing the situation. And that is that is what I want in the end, right? I just don't, I can't do that naturally. I have to be intentional about allowing that conversation to happen, about fostering that relationship with each of my boys and not coming in, you know, at a level seven, eight, nine, ten, and just like, all right, well, stuff happens. Let's, let's just take care of it. And like, oh, you broke another thing. Or, all right, well, hey, what can we do to prevent it? What can we do to fix it? How can we make it right? All right, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was just a recent situation. And again, even yesterday, I was tired after our long walk. I was laying on the couch. I just put the baby down. Dad, will you play a game with me? Okay. Okay. Right. I don't want to be too busy or too occupied with other things. I, don't, I want to be able to say okay. And if I want, in the end, for them to say, hey, Dad, will you come to my game? Hey, Dad, will you be my best man? Then it has to start right now with, yes, I'll play that game with you. Yes, I'll put my phone away. Yes, I'll I'll include you in whatever I'm doing, and I'll be included in whatever you're doing. So, all right. So we've talked about the end goal, 20 years, 10 years. Let's let's bring it a little bit closer to home. John said, you know, he usually looks at like the one day, the one week, the next year kind of goals for his career. So thinking about next year, none of my kids will be teenagers. Um, hopefully we're adopting MJ in the next year, but again, that's foster care. We don't know what's going to happen there, but we'll just continue to love on her until, um, until we don't have that option anymore or in, you know, throughout her whole life, if that's the option we have. And so within the next year, I'll have kids, um, All right. Uh, there we go. All right. We, um, so in the next year, we'll have kids in, again in the same schools so that that situation won't be different. But what does that look like for you in the next year? Well, for, for me, I'll start with this. It's just, you know, looking at what can I do right now? Um, and it comes down to cherishing those little moments. Like you said, Jeremy, when they, when they ask you to play, it's easy to just say, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I was working all day, but you know, if you say no repetitively, they're going to stop asking you and, and when I'm very, very important to engage. So I, I try my best to do that. Of course, just like you said, I'm guilty of, I'm sometimes I'm just too tired or, you know, I just want to shut down, but I have to do that. Um, so for me, it's just embracing every moment, you know, when this year, because um, we moved, we had to, uh, my son went, started another school, and my two that are in elementary school, we wanted to keep them at the same school for this year. So we have to drive them into school instead of, we couldn't use the bus anymore. So, you know, so my good time every other week because of, of being hybrid there every other week in school, you know, is I'm the one that they get in the car and I drive them to school. And, you know, I asked him, what are you looking forward to today? And, you know, just have little conversations. My oldest son actually likes to listen to like the news a little bit. Um, and, you know, we kind of talk about what's going on right now. So it's just, it's really cool to, 
to have that experience, just those micro bits before I go to work every day. Um, Cause my schedule's all over the place. It's not a nine to five. Some days, some, some days I'm working nights, some days I'm working mornings, it's all over. So the most important thing for me is just embracing every moment that I have with them. Even if it's just sitting around playing video games or you know, reading a book to my kids or listening to them read to me um, or going to a, Cal- a Cub Scout event with my oldest son or going to watch my you know, youngest kids play ba- baseball or my daughter play soccer or something, you know? So it's about embracing the moments for me. And if I, I think if I prioritize that, if I prioritize embracing those moments, we're gonna get to where we wanna be in the 10 and 20 year mark. Yeah, I, Ryan, I think you even said it back in um, back in June uh, during the the NATA the the AT Dads chat that that breakout room. Um, it was learning to cherish the moments and uh, learning to cherish the good ones over the bad ones, um, you know. And for me, it's 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 creating the identity of those times. Do I want to create the identity of our relationship based off of the bad times or the times we're upset? Or do I want to base the identity of our relationship and our, our family over the fun and the good times? Uh, you know, and, and like I said, over this past year, I've, I've recognized how fast time will go. And, uh, you know, it's cherishing those goofy, funny moments. Um, and, and I can share with, with you guys after we go off something that David had said yesterday that is just one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. And, and, and prioritizing that and, and making sure that it's, that's how we build the identity of our family off of those great times, rather than being bogged down by the, the upsetting times and the, the days that we are, are really tough. Um, you know, that's, that's probably the first thing that I'm trying to do with it. Um, the second one is, is really focusing on my relationship with Jenny. Uh, you know, we have a child on the way and, and our relationship will probably change uh, or the dynamic is going to change uh, very, very quickly. Um, you know, I read a really great book recently called Date Your Wife, and uh, I'm taking a lot out of that. And, and it's helped me uh, prioritize and goal set with, with us um, and, and really taking a look at our relationship, because if our relationship isn't as strong as it can be, um, we're probably going to struggle um, through that first year or so with Cece. Um, and I don't want that. I don't want to, to have the identity of us raising a child together um, based off of uh, negatives. I want to base it off the positives uh, and, and make sure that at, uh, at the end of all of this, um, that the positive uh, interactions outweigh the bad ones and the negative ones, uh, and that our children can look back on their life and say, um, I have a great family life because of what I learned from my parents. Uh, and that's what I want to leave as, as a legacy for, for our kids and our family um, is to, to make sure that we, we lay that, that foundation, we build that capital and uh, we give it to our kids as they grow older. There's a lot to everything we're talking about. So understanding the history. So looking at your family, looking at what was good, looking at what was bad. Obviously I said, I, I will not go through divorce. It, it won't happen. That ends here with me. That changes, right? So that's not something I'm going to continue on with my kids. So I've got to decide, these are the things that I want them to see. How am I going to model that each and every day? Like Ryan said, am I going to drive them and talk about the news, even though I freaking hate the news? Am I going to talk about it? Because it's important to them, right? Am I going to steal those moments away? Am I going to have those hard conversations like John is doing right now? Hey, I need to have 
time at home, right? I've had those, but some of them didn't go so well, right? Some of them were just like, suck it up or it's too bad. And I'm like, well, I need to figure out how I can do better. How can I have that conversation better? Because this is the priority and something's going to happen. Either I'm going to walk away or, you know, whatever. And so something you just have to, you have to prepare, figure out how, and, you know, we've talked about all that leadership capital and everything like that before. Um, and when I was talking about like the kind of the call to action today is, um, if you hear this, dad, can you play this with me? Or dad, can you look at this with me? Or are you too busy with your phone? I've heard that from my kids. I have personally heard that from my kids. Dad, are you too busy with your phone? Or can you play this game with me? Like that, that will be, um, uh, that would be huge in the um, the long term. Like, are you too busy to do this with me? And so think about that question. Think about that question. Are you too busy right now to create the end goal? So I, I know that we had the conversation with Larry recently and about what his life looks like. And we have another one coming up with Ryan and two of his, two of his coworkers and their wives about what they've done well and what they've done poorly as athletic trainer dads. And, and so I look forward to those conversations continuing to share my struggles because if I'm struggling with it, then somebody else is, and maybe I can just offer some encouragement or you can offer me encouragement as well. Jeremy, can I add one action step to real quick? I think um, this just because this is athletic trainers listening to this. I want everyone who has listened to this to think about all of these lessons because they also apply in your job about being an effective athletic trainer, about being an effective leader if, if you're a person who leads a team. So think about everything we've talked about in the, in the scope of our family and think about your work family. And am I doing this stuff for the people that I have to be present for at my job as well? John? It's it's the prioritization of, of what's important to you and, and what's important to your family. Um, you know, if you would ask me this uh, a year and a half ago, I. I wouldn't have an answer for you or I wouldn't have had an effective answer for this conversation. I don't even know why you would have had me on this podcast a year <laughs> ago to talk about AT dads. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's reorganizing your priorities and your goals, uh, and, and understanding what, um, sacrifice means in a different lens. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Ryan, you said it very, very at the beginning, it's the learning process is never going to end. Um, and, and to have gratitude for that. Uh, not look at it as a as a daunting task. It's it's something to to, to learn from it, but have a great time with. And uh, I'm really excited about that. And I think that's something that people can take away. So I highly recommend all dads check out the or all husbands check out Date Your Wife. Uh, it's a book that I've sent to a bunch of different people. I highly recommend it, and it'll give you like actionable steps, game plan, written out, thoughtful way to love your wife because then from there you can love your kids better as well. Ryan hosts a podcast, Catalyzing ATs, which he's been on here before. He's talked about that as well. And I'll have links to that in the show notes. You know how to get hold of John Seco. Just find him on Twitter. Ryan um, says Catalyzing ATs is the best way on social media there to get a hold of him. And he has a podcast, like I said, as well. And he kind of talks about his life as a dad, as an athletic trainer and helping to grow and encourage athletic trainers to, to move on to the next step of whatever their career is. 
John, um, when you're on here, we always talk about myotech. So, you know, I, what do you what do you have for us this year or today, this week about myotech? Yeah, I think I've said it in the past. These guys have been uh, that this organization has been fantastic through the pandemic. Uh, they were able to pivot and, and to really focus on uh, getting the appropriate PPEs, getting out the regular, um, you know, equipment that we normally use or, or supplies that we normally use. And they've been fantastic. Um, so, you know, give them a shout, give them a look. Uh, they are here for athletic trainers. They are an athletic trainer focused company uh, and they love what we do and, and they really respect our profession. So Ryan just had to balance. He had to take his son to the doctor. And in the intro, uh, he had put that um, he was awarded best out of the year according to a handmade card he got from his kids. And you, if I you're guess. watching live, <laughs> oh, he's still there. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to say goodbye. I want to say thank you, Jeremy and John. Love talking shop with you fellas. Continue to do the great things you're doing. I uh, really appreciate your time. And yep, I got to get my kid to the eye doctor right now. So uh, I'm going to peace out, but uh, we'll talk to you all again real soon. All right. See you, Ryan. Take care. So Ryan had his card and I'm wearing my number one dad shirt that uh, my kids gave me a couple of years ago. So um, a couple of years ago, Sarah made me a mouse pad and it had like a picture of me and I think my firstborn son, maybe even my second, um, something like that. And and then my my son wrote in pencil on the mouse pad, best dad ever, something like that. So it's like, it, it, you know, you get a little upset because they're graffitiing. But then you stop and think, he wrote best dad ever on this thing. Like, is that something you're really going to be upset about? All right. And so, again, coming in at coming in at a lower level with less intensity is super important in cherishing those those moments. And it still says in pencil on our mouse pad, best dad ever. So, those are the moments that you you want to live for as a dad. All right, John. Any other thoughts, questions, concerns, things we need to address? No, not that I can think of. I hope there's nothing else that we can we can think of, so or that we need to address. Well, I mean, you know, if there's other deep questions that you had that we didn't get to, okay, so <sighs> I'm sure they're going to come up as soon as we go off, or tonight, or something. Or tonight, yeah, yeah. There'll be plenty of you know short sleep nights and everything like that. So just yeah. just as long as you know that going in, you're you're on the same team. You give 100. percent You willing to help? You ask for help. Learning that's that's more important. I think I've uh, over the past couple of years is uh, being more comfortable with asking for help. But now it's uh, it's not just being comfortable. You have to do it. And uh, I'm happy that I have uh, friends and mentors that uh, I can look up to or shoot texts to or call that I, when I need it. That um, I'm really lucky in that that case. Um, we're really lucky that we have a, a great friend group around us um, and family around us that uh, we're we're able to do that. And then we know that not a lot of people do have that. So uh, we do take a lot of gratitude in, in that. All right. Lots of diapers. If you want to send John Amazon gift cards for diapers, you can hit him up there as well. Thank <laughs> right. you. Um, so I forgot to mention over here in the Facebook live, Ed chimed in saying, Hey, thanks for the conversation. Peter Sand chiming in saying, thanks for sharing your experience and perspective. So literally we want to have this conversation. Obviously, we're having it now. We've had it before. If I have a question, message me, message Ryan, uh, message John. We are, you're not alone as an athletic trainer dad. You're not alone as a father or as an athletic trainer. There are other people. So just like John said, 
use that friendship, the network, or just reach out at people, you know, randomly reach out saying, Hey, can, what do you think about this? How do you do that? That's, that's why I do this is so that I can learn and so that I can help others. So reach out. Don't be afraid. Mr. Jeremy Jackson on most social medias. Uh, and I'll do what I can to, to help you myself or connect you with other people. So for Jeremy Jackson, John Seiko, Ryan Stevens, this is AT Dads 2. So sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash AT Dads 2. That is a wrap. Thanks.